Hello and welcome to the Trucking Driver Podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin. And I'm Matt Ireland. Yay, back again. How's it going? I'm good, mate. How are you? Uh, not bad. Um, various things to, to deal with. You think when the show season's out the way, things are quietened down, but not really the case. There's still a fair few things happening as we go forward into the winter and stuff. We're uh, pretty busy on the magazine. I am looking forward to getting out and going driving again soon. Uh, I have the Iveco S-Way, the new 490, for a couple of days at the start of November. I'm going to pick the truck up. It's the one that's on display at the Transport News Scottish Rewards. So I'm going to go and pick it up and go and do some work in a truck. Hey, hey, very is, nice. It's uh, something I've not been able to go and do for a while. It's the new 490. Now, Iveco updated their engine range for Euro 6E, which meant the old 480 11 litre is no more. The only 11 litre you get is the 460. And you've now got a 490 and then a 530 and a 570 in the 13 litre. The previous 510, 13 litre is no more. But of course, the amount of time it takes to order trucks and for things to come through these days, there are probably still people who are going to be getting 510s coming off the production line. It's all super slow due to the conductor and the, the chip shortage and everything like that. But that is the most up-to-date mm-hmm. version of the S-Way. They've got pretty high hopes for that, they reckon, um, that it's going to be like the sort of mainstay. But then again... I've seen a lot of people when they're buying these, they take the 570 because it's such a competitively priced truck compared to uh, rivals that the tendency has been in a lot of cases, ah, we might as well just go for the top the top of the range one. And of course, the, the 570S, we're big fans of it in the magazine, it's a flying machine. The, the 490 will be solid. I'm curious as to why they didn't just round it up to 500 because uh, 500 sounds a lot better than 490 does. But that's really neither here nor there, <laughs> uh, I guess. Now, the the S-Way is a good truck. There's there are a lot of cases of it. Iveco have done pretty well out the fact there's a general shortage of trucks because people have been looking for anybody who's got availability. And it means that Iveco has managed to get vehicles into fleets here and there. And there's been cases people like they don't want to drive it in the first place and then they end up somebody gets a shot of it, especially with the 570 and then they don't want to hand it back. Um, Pete White of White's Transport Service had an Iveco S-Way on loan and he took it away down away into Europe and um, he seemed to be um, well impressed with it and there was quite a lot of coverage off the they got quite a lot of coverage off the back of that uh, so mm-hmm. I'm look at, uh, look, looking forward to that I'm trying to like blag myself some relatively straightforward trunking work for it you know which <laughs> get myself get myself back into it again you know yeah too right forgotten, but that, that that should be a good truck. Iveco, apparently there's an update coming. Iveco have got updates coming for uh, more engine updates coming as well. And that, that really intrigues me as well because engine updates, does that mean that they're good? Could it mean that they're going to go higher than 570 on the 13-litre? Imagine that. That would be that would um, certainly be laying down, laying down a marker and everything because everybody's got... I mean, there's, that, there's a number of really good high-performance... 13-litre engines now with Scania's new 560 Super. They're just starting to appear now. And, of course, you've got the Volvo 540 as well. That's a good-going engine. The Renault's 520, which is a variation of the Volvo engine. That's a, that's a strong that's a strong performer. And, uh, of course, well, DAF have much improved the performance of their 530 with the new XG and XG+. Plus. Yep, but I think a lot a lot of people have been having problems with the new DAFs, haven't they? I suppose. Uh, have they? I, oh, think, I, th- I know that... 
I know that there's been issues with actually getting components. Like they've been coming out and they've got mirrors on them as and they've got the mirror cam but they're not set up yet because you can't hold the truck back for long waiting for a microchip or whatever it is for the cameras so they're running both at the moment and then people are going on to the mirror cams uh, mm-hmm. at a later date when the compor- the components arrive i haven't heard anything uh, one way or the other uh, on uh, on the new dafts as to whether how they're bedding in the only one i've heard broughton transports one seem to be doing well they've got one of the very earliest ones so I guess it's a brand new model, so you're going to get some bedding. And the key for DAF was it was always the wiring was the bugbear with people. You yes. Know, they would get, that would be the, mm-hmm. the, the, the glitchy issue. And they, they had apparently addressed that and done a lot of sort of extreme weather testing with the truck to um, yeah. get it to make sure it's going to behave. Yeah, because a friend of mine who's known a driver, he he had quite an early one, and it's it just seems to have spent more time back in DAF trying to get it fixed than out of it, and I think it's engine-related rather than minor electrical gremlins. Mm. Um, I haven't actually phoned him up to speak to him about it because I just pr- don't think he probably wants to hear from me asking what the problem with his truck is, poor, poor lad. I mean, luckily, oh, he's, he, yeah, luckily he kept his older truck so he, he can keep running um, without having to rely on trying to get a rental or something like that. Um, but it's funny because I'm in a DAF this week and I went into DAF this afternoon at... At Great Blake and I'm just outside Ipswich because it's it's a rental and the speedo mm. the, the limit was set at eighty four kilometers an hour which was just painfully slow. Uh. Um, but but the the chap who's been in it before me, I presume, had raised the question and Daff had said that just bring it in and we'll we'll up it to ninety k. So it's um you know more user friendly as such. So I was in there this afternoon and it's funny what you said about the the, the lack of trucks. They they were then doing a whole bunch of brand or 72 plate 106s because obviously there's such a backlog those those are still coming through as a as a brand new truck even though the xg's been on the road for quite some time now isn't it really so it's quite yeah, but you could still buy the you could still buy the xf they've only just shut the order book on it so they were selling them side by side for a while so that's them gone now the last of the manual uh, XS will be coming down the production line soon, which is something that we're hoping to. We're going to be covering the last, the last XFs that come down come down the line. Aye, that's um, an intre- an interesting thing that to see that the, the still filtering through after all this time. You're talking about the speed om- the speed limit, although eighty four kilometers an hour. I mean, that's it can't r- because the trucks are so long geared. They have to run at ninety kilometers an hour to sit properly in the gearing because it's sitting about a thousand rpm. And if you've got it dropped below that, then it can't hold top gear properly, and you'll get worse fuel economy. They shouldn't be. It's it's not viable to go and run them at less than that because they're totally set up to run at that speed. I mean, at the very least, I mean, you never get trucks coming out. It's very rare to get one that's doing an actual 56 now as well. They all they rarely do. Like, it's usually like sort of 55 on the nose. That That's what they all seem to come out doing these days. Uh, you rarely get one unless you, you know somebody that's been back in to be tweaked again because a lot of trucks need to run at a good speed strong 56.99 mile an hour what have you because to get where they're going especially in the, the the further flung reaches of the country where you've got big distances to cover if you're if any of these fleets have got trucks wound down sort of 52 53 mile an hour it's a complete false economy and the dealer and the manufacturer should be having a conversation with them with them about that because it's no longer a green thing to have your trucks wound down and mucking about going slowly yeah, it's- <laughs> It's, it's, and it's funny because um, the chap who came out to do 
do the correction with the computer was a student of mine. I trained him for a C plus E uh, recently at DMP. And so we were having a chat and I said exactly the same thing to him. You know, it's engines are designed to run at 56 or 90K. So you're up the top end of the green. Whereas like you say, this one was bang on, like a thousand revs. And any time you sort of put your foot down, anything like that, it would then drop a gear. Then it's too high, that the revs are too high for 11th. So then change it back up again. And it was just, it was just a horrendous drive. It was, it was terrible. Apart from being painfully slow, it was just awkward. So now, and to, like tomorrow, my run, I'm going from Suffolk up to Winsford in Cheshire, which is, it's a good 415, 420 to where I'm delivering to. So it's a full-on shack up there. Now, if it was sat at, at 50 mile an hour, I probably wouldn't get there. Um, no, you wouldn't. I'd, I'd have to stop, then turn it into a 10-hour day just to sort of get myself there to turn myself around and get back again sort of thing. Oh, I've seen it with dem- demonstrators that have come into places like Drummond's that run to Warrington and Manchester and Rochdale, and they're all all over like sort of four hours. Some of them are like four hours, 15. You've got no time to spend. They get the demonstrator in, and of course the, the bloody thing can't make it there in four and a half hours. <laughs> it's yeah. getting caught back in again. <laughs> I, but I shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't even be allowed no, uh, no, it just seems. I don't know. Down like that. Yeah, I don't know who comes up with the idea of it. Really, like you say, it's a false economy. So, so why are they really bought? And, and also, uh, as well, because it's an eco mode on the motorway, it will then put itself in a neutral, and then it won't pick itself back up. And you can't see down to like forty six, forty seven miles an hour, which is under the speed li- the minimum speed limit. Yeah. and you're causing a real you can, problem. You, yeah, you can adjust that using the menus. You go in. I think it's off the steering wheel, and then you've got yeah. the three bar graphs, I think, and then you can adjust it to prevent it dropping down as much speed. Yeah, because it's standard. It wants to go and scrub way too yeah. much speed off. Mm-hmm. Um, trucks in general have got sort of better with that, but that's like just an economy setting, like best-case scenario. So you can go, look, our truck does 14 miles of the gallon or something like that. Yeah, so you, yeah but you, you can't slow down that much in real life. Like, you know? No. And I've, I've found myself with trucks that kind of do that too much. You're quite often overriding it on the throttle just to keep it going because the traffic's busy and you can't be allowing things to gently crest the hills and roll down the other side and everything because you've got the guy that you spent 10 minutes overtaking is wanting to get past you again. And if he gets past you, then he's going to do the same thing to you again because his brain's made of porridge. It's like, ah. <laughs> but it's also like the guys as well, if you've got like adaptive cruise control, I saw one today, and he sat behind me for probably about 10 minutes or so, and he's obviously just not noticed his speed limiter. It sat way down, so he's obviously caught me up and just sat at my speed because his adaptive mm-hmm. cruise control was just sitting there. So I think by the time he noticed, he then came round me. He was probably quite annoyed, really, but I was just thinking, well, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not my fault. I can't go any quicker. I really no. want to, but so, uh, there we go. <laughs> I've got used to adaptive cruise control enough now with trucks that I actually miss it when it's not there because I will I will use it quite a lot and I've got used yeah to begin with you would be like running up behind supermarket trucks and slowing down and not realising but once you get used to it you do it's rarely that you're like oh no I'm, I've am i not been paying attention there and I'm now stuck behind somebody I will t- if I have got it and somebody's in front of me that's fr- and I'm not chasing the clock if they're fractionally slower than I am I will quite often just set the adaptive cruise and just sit with them um and quite often you you might find that, you know, if you're heavy or whatever or you've got a bit more grunt than them, then you can get them after a while at a particular point rather than trying to, you know, uh, squeeze your way past them. And it'll, it's potentially going to take ages if they won't, um, yeah, they won't they... let you past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite a clever 
clever idea, really. Um, it just most of the stuff it's, I drive t- tends to be older and hasn't quite got it, so it's quite nice. A bit mm-hmm. of novel, a bit of a novelty for me to have it. It's just then, then when yeah. you don't have it, you then got to remember because all of a sudden you're you're charging towards something and the truck's not slowing itself down like the previous one has. <laughs> oh, I absolutely. It's just a license. You're like, hey, adaptive cruise control on, and that you're just, it's, it's going to hold you at the front of the vehicle and everything like that. And you do get really used to it and all that. And you get a truck that hasn't got it, and you're like, why am I gaining on him like this? You're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to run up the back of him unless I intervene. Yeah, especially, if it's, it's, man- it's especially having, if it's a manual uh, as well. <laughs> Yeah, well, the thing is, is well, it's all comes down to technology as well that's been rolled out in trucks, and they're so complicated, and so many drivers haven't been shown any of what that does, in terms of adapt, you know, adaptive cruise control and predictive cruise control functions, and even down to things like the, the the modern engine brakes and stuff. So many drivers just don't get told, and there's guys out there that don't use the the technology to the best of their ability, and a lot of it's good tech. Anything that works with you as a driver, the benefit what you're doing, I'm, I'm up for it. It's just when it starts like overriding you and interfering with what you're doing, going, I know best. That's when I um I don't. That's when I don't like it. When it's like, nope, you're not having that gear or or whatever stuff like that. I'm not into that. But most trucks, the most of the things these days, not all of them, are tend to be pretty good. The Swedes are especially good with like working with you and having a good level of, of intelligence what you're wanting to do. Um, I've actually got, I was going to get, I'm coming to, I was going to get the 560 Scania, but Bob Beach has already written about it in the magazine and the one that da, uh, Scania's got is, um, for some reason, somebody specced it without a fridge in it and I was like, oh, the hell, I was like, give me, I was like, just give me the 460 and I'll go and test that as if it's, if it's got a fridge in it. I can't be bothered putting my Halfords cold box in the passenger seat <laughs> of um, a brand new, a brand new, Super Scania, so mm-hmm. yeah, but that, yeah. that's one going. That's one for late, later on. I'm just kind of clearing the decks in the magazine. We've got a new, a new issue that came out on Friday. That's lo- a load of good shiny stuff. We did the Scania special, and now we've got a good variety of stuff in the new issue. We've got a, a MAN five forty D thirty eight. Is it MAN the fifteen point two liter variant? We've got a Renault Range T. A, a good. Uh, yeah, quite a few Volvos and everyone in there. People were asking for some more Volvo content, so magazines are looking pretty good. Although I did, I'm not saying there was a feature that we did and we chased up to get the copy approved for it. It never came back to us and all that. And they came back on the Monday after it went to press. Can we pull that feature? Or can we pause it? And I'm like, ah, oh, no, my worst nightmare. That. So, <laughs> thankfully, nothing controversial in it and all that. The the, the trials and tribulations. Of being a, a magazine editor this year, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> and it's also got the Man Freight Volvos in which, which are looking brilliant oh, yes. as well. Really, really lovely yeah. fleet. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Fleet. Yeah, that's the 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 FH twelve and the FH sixteen together. Yeah, that 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 uh, they look very well in in the in the orange them, um, and of course it's a good story with uh, the the driver as well, who's seventy five. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's a good little strong magazine. They say next year we're planning to do what I've been promised again the new posh paper, and we're going to be doing four bumper issues. We're supposed to we're going to be recruiting a full time member of staff to come in and uh, do a lot a lot of editorial type things, which frees me up to go and do a whole load of other stuff. Because I want to get into doing some like truck videos and things. Because I've been working really hard on my YouTube channel. Um, personally for the cars and everything so I've been getting better at doing video editing and learning sort of tips and tricks with that so I would like to go and I would like to go and invest some more time 
and uh, some videos for Trucking Driver uh, uh, for like YouTube and other forms of social media going forward. But so we've got. I'm planning to do four bumper issues next year. I did 132 pages instead of 100. It doesn't cost you any more if you've got a subscription. And I'm just thinking, what was I want to do the British truck things because I've got various bits of content from you about British trucks, which I've been sitting on for that. And I was thinking about various. I was thinking about various ways I could go about it because I was thinking, well. I was thinking about doing like a sort of um, a head-to-head, like to do like the battle of the the, Brit- the the two main British trucks that are still working are the Ford and Alpha and the RFEC. So I was thinking about maybe trying to go and draw together a good a good number of them and do a sort of, or maybe get a couple of them together and do like a head-to-head yeah. sort of thing. You know, what, what is the what is the best remaining Brit? Yeah, um, that, that could be that good. Would, um, yeah, that would drop some sort of heated debate because there are a phenomenal number of survivors out there still still working away, especially in certain parts of the world. There's real hot spots of them, like something Buxton up in the Peak District and round your way. There's yes, a, a, a couple of fleets run, fleets running running ERFs and food. And so I was thinking, I want to do the British truck thing as a bumper issue. I'm not sure what else to do. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that'd be good. Specialise on. We could do, you know, big power trucks. We could do tippers. We could do, you know, just, just whatever. If anybody's got any ideas, I would like to. I would like to, to hear them. Owner drivers is always a good one. I'd like to go back and go back and revisit that. Sort of celebrate owner drivers and things. Yeah, yeah, especially in this climate. That'd be a good one. I've, I've I've also got a couple of leads that I still need to chase up as well for the um for the British stuff. There's a Foden Alpha. It's an Arctic, but used on recovery, and I did see one as well at the East Anglia Vintage Show, which is a Foden Alpha Wrecker, um, which is uh, fairly local to me, so it's a couple more, and there was another one, there was something else as well that I saw. There's also Air's Fleet from Norfolk, like I say, they've got, I think they've got six ERFs now on the road, Um, they were at four, and I think they've actually put two more back on the road, so they've got six ECs, I think it is, running essentially daily um which is quite impressive i think yeah it's brilliant the way that they can the way that they're able to keep them going it just shows you how sort of durable the drive line is that sort of cummins uh cummins fuller set setup that they've got on them is a rockwell axles that they're running on them oh, what is it? can't I remember can't remember the dura- durable axle Axle set anyway it was surprised me as well the last time i've been out, out in the ecs is how comfortable they are if it wasn't for the fact it's got that ludicrous big two-spoke thin steering wheel in it, which um, looks like it's for like the 1970s, and there's a couple of like uh, strange things that like the cruise controls on a button on the dash, um, they're actually they're, they're, they're very comfortable. They, they sit well on the road, they're refined and they, they steer nice and everything. I dare say that the brakes would be something you'd maybe have to watch a little bit in comparison to the very most modern trucks because they are on drums all round those ones, whereas like you, you said, the Ford and Alphas are, are a fair bit more modern with it running discs. Yeah. Uh, on on the, on the later ones, mm-hmm. but I mean, if you've got the if you've got the the know how, you know, to to work on these and like a, a supply for the parts, because a lot of the parts are pretty generic with them. You know, in terms of the drive line, uh, the consumable sort of things like your drums and things like that, it's it's still available and parts for the engines are still available as well from Cummins although I don't, so you'll probably have to maybe consider keeping things in stock or uh, being prepared to sort of order them because you'll get anything from America for a Cummins engine the, so the majority of the RFs are Cummins, you did get, what did you all get in them? You got Caterpillar, there's very, a very rare C12 
ERF you can get, and an even super rare C15, which they only made a couple of. You've got the Cummins M11. What was the other one? You've got Detroit Diesel. That was the EC127, uh, which was a, a, a real uh, oddball. What's the other one? There's, there's another one. There's Caterpillar, Cummins, Detroit Diesel. Oh, you're what like, is it? now you're testing me. I can't think. I'm just trying to think because... I have I've driven a couple when Tannington's used to have some. Um, I've got it. It's a uh, Perkins, right? That's what it is. The, yeah. the Perkins, the TX engine. So that's an EC12, which is um, the people. Some guys used to swear by them back in the day. So uh, that's that's the the four different engine options out there. I say the two very, the two rarest ones are the one two seven and the fifteen. They're, they're super rare. Foden actually did a, a Foden 4000 with the Detroit engine in it as well. I remember Andrew Conley had one. And someday had gone away and bought it, but it's incredibly complicated because it's running like all this American wiring in it, and the Americans run 12 volt, and of course oh, our God. trucks are 24 volt. <laughs> so right. I had a, a whole load of stuff to take it down to 20, 12 volts and back up to 24, or here, there, and everywhere. And there's no manuals or anything for oh, it. Oh, to, to try and sort it to sort it out but I, I miss those days i i i, I miss the the, the the times where trucks had like engines for different manufacturers in them i know it's like a thing in the past now and everybody all oh, these companies are vertically integrated so they all use they all make pretty most of their own sort of stuff you know like like there's a zf they make the gearboxes um for um, man well they're using the scania box now as well and i've echoed daf uses a box but it's just the whole driveline setup whether it's what, what kind of gearbox has it got in it what in what engines it got in it and everything that's just, just fascinates me it's just the the, the kid and me and me with that with that yeah. i like the, the Amer- i like the american sort of um, aspect of it as well yeah speaking of engines and going back to the s way i was told as well that interesting um, Iveco, well, their industrial division does a 16-litre engine, the Cursor 16, which is the bigger brother of the Cursor 13, which is in the S-Way. Uh, it, uh, apparently, that engine, the Cursor 16, the block, the engine itself is identical externally to the Cursor 13. It's basically the it's the bore, the, the internals which give it the 16-litre the capacity. So, in theory, provided, I guess, if you could cool the engine... Um, sufficiently, you could go and take that 16-litre engine and drop it straight into an S-Way and everything would bolt to it and then you would have a 16-litre. That would be, I mean, you, you know, if you had an S-Way that blew its engine up, for example, it blew a water hose and roasted the engine, you could, in theory, go and get one of those out of a crate and bang it in your S-Way and that engine goes to over 800 horsepower. <laughs> that could then Just be a Scania boy something to work. To so, some, some, some to some to think of there. I wonder if I wonder if anybody would ever do it. But that's what I'd held anyway. You know, I'm a, that that's what I would, that's what I, that's what I got told. That that's a, that's a thing. Fascinating. It obviously means as well that Iveco's built. Yeah, they'll have built them to test them out and all that. Obviously, they're not gonna they're not gonna sell sell them. Um, one of the reasons is you'll find that. There's a thing that truck manufacturers, they've all got like electric truck targets and they've all got emissions targets as well, like the overall emi- Every truck that they sell um, has a certain score against it. And like the higher there's the higher like the score, the worse that the worse it is. And then they get like penalized for it. So if they're selling loads and loads of V8s and 16 litres and everything, then they're totting up loads and loads of points. 
which means, but you can lower that score if you also go and sell more electric trucks and more gas trucks and, and, and things as well. It's when it, like Volvo have had a big push uh, with their turbo compound engine, which is the 460 and the 500, super torquey. Uh, like a ridiculous amount of torque from these engines at like 900 rpm but there's been quite a lot of um, guys going in to spec a 540 and they've been recommended to go for the 500 turbo compound instead and that's a truck which scores better on that emissions penalty chart, I'm not explaining it very well but it scores better on that so it's more beneficial for Volvo to sell you a turbo compound as opposed to a 540 because it goes against their that this nonsense sort of score that the, the EU or whatever's come up with it. It's just but that's 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 how that's how that all that all works anyway. But of course that means that you know I've I've echo if they were going to start selling sixteen liter trucks and everything, it would start ramming that score up quite quite high. They probably wouldn't want to do it in that in that respect apart from anything else. I think it would be quite there's like a sort of cost a background environmental bollocks cost associated to that and um, which would uh which would kill it yeah is that the legal uh, is that the legal term for it the yeah back, background environmental bollocks <laughs> yeah let's just say let's just go for it and say that it is yeah well why not <laughs> I've been struggling. Like, I got bad. I got you know, truck drivers suffer from a variety of ailments for things. You know, um, diabetes and things. You know, piles and stuff like that. And back problems and leg and hip problems. Drivers have for various reasons. And I, when I had driving the tipper, the food and tipper back up to twenty sixteen, I had the wrong driver's seat in it and it crippled me. I got really bad sciatica, and it went away for a, a few years. And it's back with a vengeance. Like, it, 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 it is bad, like, it's shooting pains right down, like, my left leg. And I was trying to, what I was actually trying to do, it was the DAF XD launch. It was their new truck range launch in Barcelona. And at the time, it was mayhem with the flights. And I was like, I'm not flying. I'm not going to do it. I says, I'm going to drive there. So what I wanted to do was get my Cavalier and go and cannonball it all the way down to Barcelona. A fantastic idea. And it's good, sort of near all the time. And I, and I, I was... I took the car down to London and I was in agony with like sciatica. I need to go and see the, the, the doctor about it because I've got the, the, the pain is unbelievable. If you've ever had it, it's just like shooting pain, throbbing through your back of your thigh, down into your toes and everything like that. I wouldn't I wouldn't um, bless it uh, on anybody, but that was like, that was in the car. I think I would probably be all right driving a lorry because of the different driving position. Eh? But I was like, there is absolutely no way I'm going to be making it into Barcelona. So I had to pull out my grand plans to go and do that, which I was a bit gutted about it because that was going to be like a sort of long weekend of um, excitement going, tearing it down there and then charging the fuel expenses back to people. That was the other reason I wanted to do it because I could, I, I would get expenses to go there. But that launch seemed to go well with that as well with the new with the new truck which we're going to be seeing the cf still being sold for the time time being but the xd looks very impressive it's got superb visibility and a nice low low entry height and everything like that so that's what i would imagine that like for your guys like terry seaman on the bulk work and everything that's going to be quite an attractive proposition for guys that want maximum payload although it is 11 liter only so you're going to be like 450 which has also meant, I probably mentioned this before, the DAF have also now expanding the range of the XF, which is more a mid-sized truck now, the new XF. It's kind of almost on a, it's on a par with a sort of Scania R-Cab um, 
sort of ah, it's kind of sits in it sits in between sort of the MAN TGS and TGX you would say say now but they're doing a flat roof cab in that you're also getting a day cab as well in the XF and I would imagine that, like that flat roof XF would probably do quite well with the tipper boys maybe the guys that like a high spec eight wheeler yeah but is there but it's, there's some, is mm. there like a construction type chassis with the new XD because um, from what I gather that uh, so it's very low entry now, but I think all the ground clearance is very low as well. So actually, getting onto some yeah, the, of the farms and stuff like yeah. that won't be. Oh yeah, there'll, there'll be a construction chassis where yeah, yeah. But the thing is, there'll be what there'll be one with the XF as well. You'll be able to spec it. I would imagine with so you could have like your X uh, your XD space cab um, with the high roof on it, but it would be like eleven liters. Or you could go for a flat roof XF, uh, which could be thirteen liters. So there's a, load, a whole load more options there. No manuals at all. They've, they've binned it off. As it now stands, the only manual truck you can buy for full size is a Scania R series. And somebody told me on Saturday um, that you cannot that you can't order a V8 with a manual gearbox. And I was like, that wasn't the case the last time I spoke to Scania a few months back. But things change. I don't know if that's true or not. You can still order a, a six-cylinder for definite, but I don't know if you can still order the V8. Sometimes it seems to be a case of um, uh, who you know and who you're dealing with as to what you can get because I've seen there were guys that have got 650 manuals and that was good I'd spoken for no we couldn't get one of them we were told we couldn't get it and I was like well there's a guy in Ireland that's got a few of them you know <laughs> so your, your, your salesman fobbed you off didn't want to get you that truck man yeah, I was actually I was at a manual, uh, a nice manual R series, a next gen on Saturday. We were at Les Watson, um, uh, just uh, between Pen, the base just north of Penrith. Really yellow. smart fleet. Yeah, the yellow. Yeah, ones. yellow. Yeah, yeah. Yellow and yellow and black, black. looks like uh, bumblebees. Yes. They do. Yeah, they do. Uh, pretty much all flatbed work between like Look, timber tim- and timber, steel. Yeah. yeah, I was doing a uh, speaking to uh, uh, Bertie and Jason there. They had us down to do a photo shoot and. Uh, They've got uh, mostly, uh, it's been 540 S cabs they've been getting in uh, recently. Of course, with the Scania, the 560 S came out with big fanfare and everything like that. And people are still getting the 540s now, as we mentioned before, because it takes so long. But yeah, a beautiful, beautiful looking fl- fleet there. They've got a few um, R520 uh, older shaped V8s. Um, and the five, the new 540s, they just. I, I, we did wonder if in certain cases that there would be a case that Scania's new high-powered six-cylinders would take over sales from the V8. And so, but they're, they're about two miles to the gallon better than the older ones. So, you know, you can't really argue with that. I mean, the 560 arrives, then it's going to be even more even more of a gap between the two. And, you know, ultimately money talks. What was there was there's one R cab truck in the fleet and that's driven by Jason and he was there like twenty three years and he loves a manual gearbox and he said to the boss can I have a manual truck and he said well okay then but it's got to be the R cab he said absolutely no problem and it, to be honest, he's the same as me I prefer the R cab to the S the flat floor cab because the flat floor cab is I mean it's massively spacious don't get me wrong but the only difference is that step in the middle and with the R cab it sits lower to the ground it handles better it's easier to get in and out of and I'm not very big so I don't I don't need all that all that standing room anyway but yeah he's got the one manual in the fleet a really really nice 3 year old it's an R520 V8 um tag axle uh, cracking looking thing so look out for that 
uh, in the magazine in a, cu- a couple of months' time. Really nicely turned out, turned out fleet. We're still we're still busy at it, getting photo shoots together, even as we run uh, later on into the into the year. Still accumulating feature material, but it's still quite n- nice. It was all the it was all autumnal. All the yellow leaves were on the trees and everything, and matched all the trucks sitting for the photo shoot. And in a couple of weeks' time, the clocks go back at the end of the week, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got a good storm and it just blows other leaves off the trees, and then it's like six months of uh, dreaded, dreaded winter. Um, <laughs> yeah, at least. Although we, <laughs> yeah, true. Although we do seem to be having a bit of an Indian summer. I mean, we had down in here in Suffolk, we had. T- torrential rain yesterday uh, but that's the first time for a while and to be fair like I say, said before we've kind of desperately been needing it for the sugar beet and, and what not so um, but today it's been it started off pretty grim but it has improved and it's, it was a lovely sunny afternoon it's still still pretty warm down here as well I think it's, it's been so mild um, which is great as well like I say for, for trying to capture stuff for the magazine, it's um, it's been holding out lovely. Well, it's good. Well, I hope it lasts for as long as possible. But the price of uh, it, heating and all that, everyone's gone up through. Everyone's gone up through the the roof for everybody. The cost of everything has just been rocketing. Diesel fuel's gone back up in the last week as well. R- Rishi Sunak was donating. He said they were allocating. There was some pittance, some pathetic. Like he was allocating like twenty five million quid to help trucks with parking and facilities and of course things are just getting worse Lockerbie truck stop is closing it's been bought by the timber company just down the road now Lockerbie truck stop's really important and any time you go in there it's always pretty much full it's a big site you can get a couple of hundred trucks on it but the owners have sold it and I don't know what the story is if they were um, just looking to get out and nobody else is willing to take on a truck stop which is potentially maybe it's like a lot of I don't know maybe it's a lot of hard work and you don't get as, enough rewards but it's being bought out and it's being changed over it's no longer going to be a truck stop so you've got two hundred trucks in the south but that truck stops not far over the border into Scotland it's a, an important stopping point it's in a good place for trucks to stop going north and going south and that's gone now the the truck stops around the place I mean you've got the the fucking diner Echo fucking diner good truck stop but it's not. And will that be able to? Will it be able to expand? Will the council give them any support to expand? You know, to go and not go and accommodate more trucks. You've got Heather Gill, which is further up the road, the one that sits on the hillside. It's got limited space. Johnston Bridge Services is like a um, a swimming pool. All the time it floods out, and of course, with being a services, it's overpriced. Um, Abington, I would never park in there in the services, you'll never bloody get back out again, there isn't enough parking uh, anywhere near in the vicinity and that's going to cause uh, a problem, you'll be pushing trucks into other areas, all the lay-bys down the old road and the old A74 road are all full at night and everything and it's well because the government is doing pretty much nothing, what needs to happen is because business rates are so high on truck stops they're very, very expensive to run because of the overheads, because of the sheer amount of space that they take up. But it's a necessity. It's not a bloody um, theme park. It's not there for fun. So there needs to be, in my mind, there needs to be an exemption on business rates for truck stops because they're providing an, an essential service. Because that's what, one of the things that makes them so difficult to to run is the fact that you've got to pay out so much on business rates. And it's... Uh, it's it's not on. It, they need support in that respect, but of course it's just it, it's not considered um, 
important again. They're, they're too busy mucking about with it, mucking about with with other stuff. You know, what kind of support would you get? But it's extremely disappointing and frustrating for guys who use that truck stop. They're going to have to completely reorganise and plan out. Well, let's say if you go further up again, Les Mahego truck stop rammed full every single night. There needs to be some more truck parking installed. Well, it's a problem all over the country. I heard that Southampton was getting a new truck stop. All right. Which is a surprise. It's, well, I mean, that, that's way down on the south coast, but I heard that that was coming online soon, which was, which was good, good to hear. Well, we had the but same. Uh, we had the same thing here in Suffolk when they closed the Orwell Crossing truck stop, which held yeah. a couple of hundred. You know, and every night it was absolutely rams. Uh, with anything heading towards Felixstowe, you know, as soon as there's a problem, mm-hmm. people have got somewhere to go in. People had operating centres out of there, this, that, and the other, and it's now being developed, mm-hmm. I think, into a logistics park or something like that, which you can pretty much guarantee will have double yellow lines, oh. AMPR, all that sort of thing. No, we don't want... We want your stuff in here, and as soon as you've delivered, we want you to get the hell out of here and park nowhere near here. And it's just... Exactly. Yeah, the, you know, if you, if you there's leave... There's more of them as well. Uh, no. I mean, if, if you were to leave uh, Birmingham, for argument's sake, heading to Phoenix, though, and if you've got, say, a load of ADR on where you're supposed to get secure parking, you've got... When you when you get off of the uh, M6 onto the A14, you've got Welford Calf, which isn't it's secure-ish, but not properly gated, blah, blah, blah. You've got there, you've got a couple of other spots on the way down, but it's so few and far between. Yeah, it's ultimately, if you've got, like, you're looking at, if you're trying to plan ahead to get parking, it's going to end up reducing efficiency. And the government's all about, like, efficiency and going green and everything like that. But if trucks can't get to where they need to be easily, if they've got to divert off to other places, and you've got drivers that can't run it, can't make full use of their time and everything like that, then that's not... That's not good. But I said they don't care. Rishi Sunak is a billionaire investment banker and everything like that. None of these people have got the first idea about uh, trucks or driving them. Jeremy Hunt's now the Chancellor of the Exchequer as well. And it's great. And you don't think, I, I doubt for the thing is, I look over at the other side at Keir Starmer and all him and I'm like, oh, no, no, it doesn't matter. You're getting screwed over. It doesn't matter whether it's red or blue. They don't have any sort of uh, interest or concept. Of uh, what's go- what's going on with road transport um, at all, you know. But anyway, what's what? Have you been anywhere recently? What have you been? What have you been driving? Did I ask you? I don't think I asked you that at the start. No, not yet. Uh, so what was it? Two or three weeks ago, I had a little jolly out to Sweden in the pet van, which was lovely. Great to get back into Scandinavia. I've not been there since. 2019 and it i mean it it was just like yesterday really coming up through denmark and as you get to copenhagen heading towards the urusund bridge it's all part painted on the on the road like uh you know sweden sveringe and the arrows and just, <laughs> as you come up to that the, the the arena that i used to do for trans am is on the right hand side and all the all the the bella center um these big sort of iconic hotel towers and all that on the left and it was just like it it been like I hadn't been away. It was um quite surreal, really. But it was oh. it was a, it was a lovely run up there. Um, I bumped into a, an old friend of mine, Steve, who works for KB on the Put Garden Ferry as well. So it's nice to have a catch up with him for forty five minutes. Um, and it was yeah, it was, I took a protection dog up to uh, a town called Baldass, which is sort of between Gothenburg. Baldass. Ball, <laughs> no, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Boras. Yeah. <laughs> Boras. B O R A S. It's probably not pronounced <laughs> like that. And, and neither is Goffenberg or Sean Coppin. And I, I apologise. Should should any Swedish people be listening, please don't complain because I can't say it. Um, but between Goffenberg and Sean Coppin is this town. So I went up to there, dropped off, and then um, I actually then got the Trelleborg Rostock ferry back at, overnight. Um, which my friend told me was a good 11 hours, and it really, really wasn't. It was a damn sight shorter than that. So uh, it was um, it was quite uh, quite a short night. And um, But then it was a nice, simple, leisurely drive back through Germany for the Hooker Holland back to Harwich boat back in that night as well. So it was a, it was a real nice, leisurely pootle back down as well, which, which was uh, really pleasurable. So, um, so I've done that. Um, yeah, I've done a, done a few days with Terry Seaman. And I've done a little bit of training, and I'm just I'm doing this week for Normans, and I did a, a a week for them a couple of weeks ago, which is all just it's nice, easy, local, lightweight work. Uh, lightweight is in the load, not not as in um, because I'm I'm a lame driver nowadays. <laughs> well, I'm the first to admit that. Um, although I have got a um, Winsford tomorrow, so that's a that's a good old mission for a, for a day, man. Um, but then next week, I should, I think it's next week, I should hopefully be starting doing some work on the straw. My old mate, Simon Nolliff. Uh, so basically, when I left school at 16, I worked for a company called Haven Logistics, which are uh, an unaccompanied ferry trailer, freight forwarder, essentially, uh, based in Felix. So we'd, we'd arrange all the traction for the, for the trailers, blah, blah, blah. And through working for them, I got to know Simon because um, his trucks used to pull the trailers for Haven and so on and so forth. I I then ended up, I used to go and wash his trucks at the weekend and go with the drivers for a bit of experience and shunt them around the yard and, and you know, what, what a lot of young younger people sort of do. And we've sort of obviously kept in touch ever since and I've done a bit of casual work for him and he even double drove or he relief drove my truck at Trans Am several years ago now. Um that's all when he had his own business. He's since packed all that up, and he now works for another chap, just carting about straw. For, I, I believe, I think it all goes for incineration at the uh, power stations. So, um, but the, the owner's daughter uh, has now got residency in New Zealand, so she kind of has a perpetual summer. So she's been over here for the summer. She's now gone back to New Zealand for the sunshine again. So they need somebody just now and again just when it's a bit busy to cut to sort of drop in, do a bit and then sort of disappear off again. So Simon put my name forward. So next week I should be, should go and do a run and get me induction done and figure out how it all works. And then, um, should be off so, really. In terms of straw, you're talking like bales of straw on a flatbed yes. with ratchet straps over. <clears throat> That's the one. Yeah. And it, and it will be one of the sort of extra long rear steer trailers, 53 footers, um, that they've got. So, uh, that'd be, That'd be interesting. Use hmm. I did. Trans Am did a train, put me through a training course many years ago because they've got a couple of them trailers, and I did the training course, and I've never ever driven one since. So um, it's going to be nice to get back in the get back in the in the habit of of having to go with one of them. It'll be something a little bit different. So um, yeah. So I'm, what, what, what's the, what's the truck? Uh, you know uh, what you're driving. Yeah, I, that'd be a, a DAF. Uh, now is it? It's a 105, I think. I'm pretty Ooh. sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a 105 rather than 106. Definitely a manual. So I think nice. Get the good, get the good engine noise. That'll yes. be like proper, yeah. that proper lorry. That a little bit more, a little bit more old school. In Absolutely. That, you know? Yeah, I've, I've got. I'm pretty sure it'll be a 16 speed manual. 
Um, because I know Simon, he's got a he's got a draw bar, which is the one hundred and six, and that's a manual. And I'm ninety nine percent sure. I can't I can't remember to be honest. Probably. So, um, but I seem to remember him saying that the other all, all of their trucks are manuals. So it's going to be yeah, it's going to be nice to like say get back in one then with the with the with the exhaust with the engine noise and also um, just being able to pull out a roundabout when I choose to, not when the um, the auto gearbox decides ten minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, well, good, good stuff, huh? Yeah, so that should, good be, stuff. that should be good fun. And then um, I should hopefully, in a f- about three weeks' time, I think it will be, I should have an interesting run on the pet van, but I'm not going to say what it is in case I jinx it. Um, so hopefully, <laughs> yeah, so hopefully I'll have a, I'll have an interesting one to do a write-up and a and maybe chat about on the podcast once once I've gone, if as long as it takes place. So uh, oh, good, good, yeah, good yeah, stuff. I look yeah, forward, really look good. forward to hearing that. Look forward to hearing about that sound. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, I, I think that pretty much wraps everything up yeah. for this one. I think um, so. Yes, uh, that's it. Uh, I shall look forward to catching up with you again. And do, of course, have fun with your new straw carting job and all that. Yeah, yeah, will do. So uh, it's been nice to talk to you. It's, yeah, we're almost uh, almost regular now, aren't we? We're getting there, getting, getting there, there, getting there. there, yeah. Right, thanks everybody. If you're listening in on that, you've got any suggestions for bumper issues, suggestions, or anything to do with the British truck thing, stuff like that, give us a shout, let us know, and I'll catch you again soon. Cheers, take care. Cheers, Dougie. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.